Uh, Good afternoon. The Bible reading today is from Mark chapter 7, from verses 1 to 23. From verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have to let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human... You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your traditions and have ha- that, have, that you have handed down and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of that person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all food clean. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Well, it's great to be with you guys after a couple of weeks of uh, not preaching, which has also been nice in its own way. Uh, We've had two great sermons from our rector Justin and from our city care worker Dave. Uh, We've seen over the past couple of weeks in chapter six, the Good Shepherd the true shepherd, driven by compassion for his people. And today we continue our journey into this section of Mark. Jesus today has a challenge for the teachers of the law and for us too. Today, Jesus upends the culture that he's living within. He brings forth a dramatically new teaching and shows us the heart of the problem that each person has as he seeks to lead people towards the intent of the law lead people towards true commitment to a life of faith. 
Uh, In a similar way to the passage regarding the Sabbath in chapter 2, Jesus first points out uh, the problem that the Pharisees have and then develops a better understanding of the way of life uh, that a believer should seek to lead. What should our response to Jesus be? Well, that will continue to be developed now. Let's start by praying together. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you help us to understand uh, that by your spirit you have put faith in our hearts, faith that leads to internal change, faith that is not uh, demonstrated just by external signs, but through the cleaning of our hearts and a deep faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, family traditions or just kind of traditions in your own life, things that you always do the same way for particular reasons. Uh, I sent my sister a text earlier to ask her if I have any of these kind of things that I always seem to do that don't necessarily have a purpose behind them. Uh, and she sent me quite a long message back. It was quite confronting um, and maybe made me think that there were other people I needed to talk to about this to make sure that I'm all right. Uh, but a couple of things that came up were one that um, I always sit, if I'm a passenger in the back of the car, I always sit on the left. And that's like a thing that I can't, like I get quite uncomfortable if I'm sat behind the driver. Now that's something that originally had a purpose. That purpose was um, because I had more leg room because I would sit behind my mum instead of my dad who was normally driving the car. Um, but it's kind of left that purpose now, and it's just kind of a thing that I do, and I can't really justify it uh, to anyone else. Um, sometimes we accidentally create traditions with kids. Uh, we'll like have something that we, we might use to distract them at a particular time, and then that kind of becomes the thing that they're obsessed with. Uh, mine was playing badminton on a Saturday afternoon in summer. When I was little, my dad used it as kind of its purpose originally was to just distract me for a bit. Uh, What he then found was for the next four years, every Saturday during summer, I insisted on us playing badminton because it was our tradition. Uh, Often we will have traditions that just become kind of things that we do. They're important to us, but their meaning over time has been lost. Uh, And so they kind of just become things that we do for the sake of them. And today we're seeing a problem that the Pharisees have that's like this. Verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as watching of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Now, ceremonial washing, often we don't realize, was actually a key Jewish identifier at the time. Uh, In some senses, it was actually more significant uh, from an external view than the Sabbath was in the sense that it was this distinct thing that only the Jews did, and it set them apart from other cultures uh, around the world, which is amazing that there weren't more pandemics. Well, there were, right. Uh, Jesus and his followers are continuing to do the unexpected, and they often do this stuff quite blatantly. Uh, By not washing hands in that setting, uh, this is actually quite a provocative move by Jesus. Uh, As we'll see, he's spoiling for a discussion about this. Uh, Jesus is a provocative guy. He doesn't tend to sit back and wait. Uh, He sees opportunities and he takes them to cause conversation and debate about the things that he thinks are important. 
verse 5. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating food with their defiled hands? And so, as with previous chapters, like the breaking of the Sabbath by the disciples, the Pharisees target Jesus, and they blame him for the disciples' disobedience to the law. He is, after all, presented as a rabbi, and they are his followers. The Pharisees have taken the bait, though, and they open up the opportunity for Jesus to take them on. Check out verse 6. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Well, straight out the gate, Jesus is taking them on directly and publicly. He really cares about this issue, and he uses a prophecy from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament to judge them a prophecy that targets hypocrisy. Those who present themselves as righteous followers of God, but whose hearts are far from it. Who look look to the outsider, uh, look look, look as if to the outsider, as if they are really close to God and doing everything right, but in fact, they are hypocrites. Now, this is a big thing. For him to target at the Pharisees. It's a serious charge, but an important one, because Jesus actually takes the law very seriously, even though they accuse him of not. Because Jesus cares about the point of the law. He cares about its purpose, what it's supposed to do, which is to bring people closer to their God and to have them in relationship with him. And so if the law is being followed, but the purpose of the law is being disregarded, then it ceases to be righteous itself. Verse 9, and he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Jesus is giving an example of their traditions that they've developed overriding the law. Uh, They've abandoned what they claim to hold most dear. You see, the law in his example states that they are to honor their parents. But they have said that if someone declares their property Corban, and what that was is that they would declare this piece of property or all of their property as being something that they are devoting to God, then it doesn't have to be used to assist with the care of their parents if the need arises because it's been devoted to God. Now, what they're doing is they're circumventing the intent of the law, but they're doing it in a clever way. They're doing some gymnastics. They're saying, oh, I I can't do that because I'm using this for a higher cause. But it's the intent here that's important because their intent isn't actually the higher cause. It's to use the cause 
so that they can avoid the obligations that they have under the law, not so that they can actually worship God more using their property. It's like if you try and avoid a responsibility that you have by using something that looks righteous as an excuse. Uh, Imagine, God forbid, there's someone uh, at church who wants to meet up with me because I've done something to upset them. God forbid, right? Well, it's inevitable. Uh, But instead of me meeting up with them, what I do is I avoid it by saying, oh, actually, during that time, I've dedicated that part of my day to reading the Bible and praying. I'm praying for you, actually. See, what I'd be doing is I'd be using something that seemed godly and can't really be questioned by someone, but for the wrong reasons, right? The intent is what the problem is here. Jesus is calling out their hypocrisy that they are missing the point of the law in their desire to appear righteous and that they do what suits them, not what brings them into a closer relationship with their God. The comparison that chapter 6 previously drew between the yeast of Herod and Jesus is now being done with the Pharisees. The teaching and mistakes, the yeast of the Pharisees is now being compared to Jesus himself and is being criticized by him. And so from here, Jesus launches into a new teaching that is both profound at the time, but is aiming towards the same intent of the law. Man, what a time for Danny's family's group chat to go crazy on my notifications. The sin within. Uh, Has anyone here bought a used car before? Yeah, most of us. Has anyone bought a used car that turned out to be a lemon? Yep, at the back, appreciate the honesty. Uh, This happened to me. Um, I was buying kind of my first adult car, if that makes sense. So I used to cruise around in a 98 Nissan Pulsar that was like the greatest thing ever. Um, But eventually I I needed a car that was going to get me to places. Uh, And so I went and I bought this car. It looked great from the outside. Uh, Test drove it, was excited. It was Volkswagen Golf, like really revved my engine, loved it. Uh, Bought it. And then after a period of time, only a couple of months, I started to notice that the gears were slipping. And I thought, oh, that, you know, that's something I can ignore for a bit, right? Yeah, automatic gearbox, didn't really want to pay to replace that. Uh, so, but more and more, I started to notice there were issues with the car, uh, and it was having big problems, especially on long drives. So I took it in to get looked at, uh, and the timing chain had actually stretched and essentially had destroyed the engine and there was nothing I could do about it. Because it was a used car, the warranties on it, so even though that it had happened for fewer kilometers than it was supposed to have happened, I'm, I'm upset about this, you probably know, for fewer kilometers than it was supposed to have happened, because I bought it used, Volkswagen were pretty much not gonna do anything to help me in that situation. Um, I'm not a very confrontational person, especially in those situations, uh, so I normally get ripped off. Luckily, I'm very closely related to somebody who is very good in those situations. Feel free to ask me about that later. Um, But the fact was, is it didn't matter how shiny and awesome this car looked, how nice the interior was, how great the features were, the inside was rotten, and so none of that mattered for anything, right? The outside, in the end, the outside itself was useless because the inside did not work. Verse 14, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. 
After he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. And so Jesus is getting to the center of the problem here. What the law is trying to address, the problem with humanity. The point of the food laws in setting them apart was to teach them about internal cleanliness. It was to teach them that cleanliness is to be desired and that it is not the food itself that is the point, but what the person who consumes it is doing. They aren't carrying out laws for the sake of appearing holy and doing a good job to those around them. It was a sign of their obedience in faith that it was their heart that they were coming to approach the act with that was what mattered. And this is why Mark adds the comment that Jesus declares all foods clean, because it's not about the food. It's about the faith that the person who was following such laws was expressing and growing within them. The problem is not the food, it is the people and what comes out of them. Verse 20. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Following God, following Jesus, is not about outward appearance. It is first and foremost about the heart. It is what is inside that is meant to influence the outside. It is the source of our problem and that the thoughts that come from us are a sign of our brokenness, a sign of our external, our external failings are a sign of our internal fallenness, of our being, of who we are. And therefore, all external showings are worth nothing if they are not coming from a heart that has been cleaned. Nothing external can cause that change. And that is why you cannot do enough good things to earn salvation. Because it isn't the outside to in. It is the change that comes inside that changes the outside. I first started serving in ministry when I was 15. I used to serve in a children's ministry called Slabs. It was St. Luke's Anglican Boys, very creative. Um, We regularly would kind of put on fun nights for the boys. Uh, And really, though, what leading that group kind of became for me as I was 15, and I was doing it with all my 15-year-old mates, was actually more of a hangout for me and my mates in which it kind of featured some kids that were like eight and they were generally present at those things. Uh, And so we put on nights that we thought would be fun. Uh, Go-karting was a great example. So we built these kind of billy carts and we got them to kind of do races around the hall. It was a fun time, probably more dangerous than we do with kids now, but hey, it was a while ago. Uh, And at the end of the night, the guy who kind of oversaw the children's ministry came in and he asked us, you know, how did it all go? And I was like, oh, Luke, it was awesome. Me and Ollie set an awesome record for the lap of the hall, the two of us. And he was like, what about the kids? And I was like, oh, they sucked, right? I'd lost the point 
of what we were doing, the purpose of what we were trying to do. It didn't matter that kind of the night that we ran itself was really fun and did really well. We weren't thinking about the reason behind what we were doing. And so this outside kind of appearance of how good the night was, it meant nothing because the night wasn't good if what it was actually intended to do wasn't being addressed. All external expressions of faith only carry meaning if they are coming out of a heart that is cleaned and therefore from a heart that has faith in the Lord Jesus. If you're here today and you think that being a Christian is about doing good things, this this chapter should break that apart. What is it that Jesus really cares about? Are you a good attender at church? Are you a nice person? Are you generous? Because none of that counts for anything. It has zero importance if you are not in your heart a follower of Jesus, if your faith is not really in him. Uh, As much as it sometimes isn't, I think sometimes being a Christian for a lot of people is often actually more of a matter of convenience, right? Church is where your friends are. The community can be really lovely and caring. And so you might just be in a pattern of attending. It's it's just what you've always done for lots of different reasons. Uh, But the faith that you once held, it's not really at the center for you anymore of why you're there. Maybe some of the things that we do at church, right? Like the creed we say each week just kind of becomes going through the motions for you. Yeah, look. There's genuine consideration for not doing something like the creed every week uh, because we don't want to just do it because we always do it, right? Uh, It's something I'm thinking quite hard about at the moment, about why we do it and if the motive is coming from a desire of our faith. But before we do stuff like that or change stuff like that, we must first consider our own headspace, our own hearts as we come to engage with things. Are we just following along because that's what we do? Because there are a lot of things at church that we could say that about. What are the things that you do? Because it's just what we do. Jesus wants to strip that away and get to your heart. He wants that heart changed and he does not care what the outside looks like unless that has been done. It's called the fruit of the spirit because it grows out of our faith. It's a sign of the change that has occurred within. And so if for you, Christianity is about kind of the beh- you behave a certain way and you do certain things and you go to certain places, then as good as that might look, Jesus would place you alongside the very Pharisees that he's attacking. If you use your faith as a justification for doing the things that you want to do, Uh, that the appearance of righteousness just kind of works for you like it does the Pharisees, then that's where you stand. Remember Mark 2, when Jesus responded to them about the Sabbath, he said, it's not the righteous who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus would rather a church of messy people whose hearts are being changed because they deeply desire Jesus and have their faith in him but are just struggling to fight their sin than a group of people who look like they have it all together, but in reality, do not give their hearts to Jesus. He has come to clean hearts. 
And once that's done, then the acts of external expressions of faith come. The signs of change occurring within us as God, by his spirit, works to conform us to Christ. But this first is everything. We don't need to pretend that we're okay. A lot of people in this room are going through hard stuff, right? From having young children that you have to chase around all the way through to struggling with things like depression. You don't have to pretend you are okay. It isn't a mark of your faith. It also means that we shouldn't judge the quality of someone else's faith by their outwards appearance, right? I think often we can kind of feel bad about how we're going in our faith because we kind of see someone's read their Bible on Instagram, right, and you haven't read yours for weeks. But it also means that we shouldn't judge the quality of someone else's faith by its outwards appearance. Because I think from experience we can all say that we know how often we pretend that things are all right with our faith when actually you're struggling and apathetic. We must, therefore, reach out to one another regardless of the external appearance of each other's faith and engage with each other's hearts. Ask your sisters and brothers how they are and mean it, right? Take the time, take the energy to engage with one another on a meaningful level uh, instead of those kind of surface-level comments that we make. When you say you're going to pray for someone, Why don't you stop right there and then and pray with them? Catch up with one another. Read the word. Seek Jesus. You see, if you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, this is not a time to look down on the Pharisees, but for us to look to our own hearts and ask the uncomfortable questions to help get us back on track to realign our thoughts, to come back to what really matters, faith in Jesus first and foremost. You see, I deeply desire for us to be a church that does wonderful Christian things, who serve one another and who are doing well, but my deeper fear is that if we aren't careful, then we can be a church of those who pretend to. So let us be a church of people who cast away outward appearances. It's too much effort anyway, right? Be honest about where we are at and the genuine messiness of our lives. We who desire to know Jesus, to have faith in him, and to pray that that leads to outward expressions of faith that are fueled by our cleaned hearts. Living out our faith is really important but not if it doesn't come from a heart of faith. Jesus is a king who has come to clean hearts, and this can only be done by putting our faith in him. The one who later on in Mark, spoiler alert, will go to the cross to achieve this once and for all, and that by believing in his death, we may have that life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you don't pull your punches and that Jesus didn't pull his punches. Uh, We pray, Lord, that this would be a moment for us to consider our hearts, uh, not because we should feel despair, but because we should feel joy. Father, help us to cast aside our outward appearances that take all that effort, 
and help us to really work at desiring you. Within this, Lord, I pray that that means that we would love one another and care for one another within our messiness and to constantly seek to see one another growing in our faith as we each walk slowly but surely towards the kingdom that you'll bring. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.